person here is not in the same relationship with God. Maybe there are no two of us here that are equally saved. There are some of you who, who have made the commitment. You've committed yourself to living close to God and serving Him. Doing the acts and deeds that show the power of the Christian life. And there's somebody here, you're, you're, you would say that you're followers of Christ, and I certainly would not challenge that to any degree. But it's possible to follow him as Peter did for a while from afar off. And he wants us to follow him very closely. So at any time, we can reach out and touch him. I'm going to share with you this morning a message that I've called God is looking for you. I invite you to turn with me in the scriptures to to Luke chapter 15. And I will read a few verses here that tell a parable. They are the words of Jesus in the parable that he taught. And it is about the Lord seeking those who are far from him. Luke chapter 15, this is starting at verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, Jesus said, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will activate every one of our senses of understanding and reception and clarity so that we will receive the message from your word that you would have us receive today. I ask the Holy Spirit will anoint these words and these thoughts and every part of this message so that we will receive from you what you want us to receive today. And we believe you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The shepherd is always searching. He's always seeking to keep the flock together and to have everyone that is a part of the flock to be there with a cohesive gathering of the rest of them. So some stray. Oftentimes they do. Jesus used this parable to talk about that very thing. He's talking about finding the lost. He's talking about finding any who are far from God or further from God than they need to be ought to be, and usually further than they want to be. He's always seeking, always searching, always ready to find you where you are and bring you back or closer into the fold and therefore bring you closer to the shepherd. And that's the life every one of us ought ought to be wanting. I look at myself And I see how God sought for me so long. And I didn't know it. 
tell you some more about that in this message this morning. God was dealing with my heart, striving with me, and I had not one iota of understanding that it was God in any way whatsoever, because I didn't know anything. I had not, nothing to base any knowledge on, so if I had to had something happening that was God dealing with me, I, I, I couldn't discern it because I had no basis of knowing anything about it. Some of you probably are much closer than that. And yet God may be dealing with you about things that you don't really realize it is Him dealing with you. He may be speaking to you about things He wants from you, things He expects from you, things He desires from you in your life. And you may be looking for the same thing, not knowing what it is. If I only knew what I could do for my experience to be more joyful, more vibrant, more alive within me. I've known of a time when it was more so, and I wanted to be back like that again. Well, I am telling you today, you don't want that for yourself any more than God wants it for you. God wants you to have that experience where you know His reality, His power in your life, not just every day, but all through every day. And he's drawing on you to come back into that place. And many of you do know that he's drawing you to come back. It's just a hard struggle. You're out, out of the fold. I'm not saying you're unsaved. I leave that always for somebody to decide with him and God. But you're not close. You're not where you ought to be, not where you should be. And really, not where deep down in your heart you want to be. But God can bring you back to that place. Because wherever you are, I'm going to tell you this. God is tracking you. He's trailing you. He's reaching out his hand to touch you. He may not quite have got you close enough to where he can really touch you and lay his hand on you so that you know it yet. But he's right there, right ready to do that. And maybe today, maybe at this very hour, will be the time when God touches you realize this is something that I've got to do because this is the Spirit of God drawing me. I've got to respond to it. I've got to make my commitment to Him. I've got to give myself up to Him the way I once did, the way I never have, but I've wanted to, and now it's time for me to do it. Because the Lord is trailing you. He's after you. Jesus said that the shepherd left the flock. There were 90 and 9. Only one was out of strength. But he cared enough, and that's the message of the shepherd, Jesus. He cared enough to go after that one that was apart from the rest of the flock. That one that was lost from the body that he himself was watching over and caring for, over which he himself was a shepherd. And if that's your experience today, it's time for you to do something about it. God's ready to. And you've been saying, I want something to happen in my life. Oh, I I really want something to happen. I want something to change. You want something different from the way it is and the way it recently has been? You want something to change in your life. And I will tell you, if you want something to change, you need to change something. If you want something to happen that's different, you need to do something different. Make the move towards God. Open your heart to let him do for you, reveal to you, show you, lead you what he wants you to see, knowing where he wants you to be. Because the Spirit of the Lord, I tell you, wants to do that.
story of the shepherd, certainly he was talking about himself. He was illustrating how far he would go, what lengths he would traverse, what obstacles he would walk through, what impediments he would push aside to get to you. He made the journey across the, across the fields, across the mountains, out into the desert, wherever he had to go to find that one that was lost from the flock and bring that one back. Because Jesus inscribed himself in just that way. Twice in the 10th chapter of John, Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. In the 11th verse, he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In the 14th verse, he said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. That's the good shepherd. He knows you. He knows you. And you may know him. You may know him in the fullest sense that one can know him. Or it may be that you know him just enough, just enough, that he can speak to you, call you, deal with you, and bring you in himself to where he wants you to be and where you, deep down in your heart, really want to be. That's the satisfaction you're looking for. That's the peace that you're looking for. That's the victory that you're looking for. Getting as close to him as it's possible for one to get. And when you move into that place, the Spirit of God is going to do something in your life in a, in a different way, in a special way. And you know, many of us are sitting here right now who, who have, we have been Christians. We've been saved for a long time. Maybe not many, many years, but as you look at it, you've been saved for quite a while. You're becoming accustomed to it. But now is the time that the Lord wants to bring you closer and closer to Him. He wants to call you back, not only where you once were, He wants to call you as close as you once were. He wants to call you even closer to Him than that time. He wants to put you into a place greater, stronger, deeper, more powerful in Him than you ever have been. And God can do that, and God will do that. There's only one thing stopping Him from doing it. There's only one person stopping Him from doing that. And in your life, that's you. In my life, that's me. If I want to let God draw me closer to Him, I just need to turn everything loose that's impeding that progress and move closer and closer towards Him. It's, it is really important, I think, for us to know that when we're, we're struggling with something like this and we don't know who we are or where we are really, I mean, we're, there, there, there are some things that we really are confused about. Uncertain, let me say. Better than that. Some things that we just don't really know for certain, the way we want to know it. And, 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 and that's all can be remedied. All can be healed in the power of the Holy Spirit with what He wants to do for us in our lives. When I say God is drawing us, I, I've been reading in Scripture several places recently. Not looking for this, just, just finding it come up and speaking to my heart that God is drawing us to himself. I want to share this with you. This is something that, that really moved me recently. It's in Romans chapter 1, verse 4. I was thinking about some friends and family members. 
who are who are blessed. I mean, if you look at material things and you look at families and 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 and, and what is true among them, they're blessed. Not serving God, not walking with God, not because they're not knowing about Him or knowing Him, but just because of choosing not to do it. Sometimes you can be so greatly blessed and have so much abundance that God puts in your life, and every good thing does come from God. I hope you know that. You may be receiving a lot of good things and not reciprocating in your service to God for them. And God has a purpose for all of that. There's nothing that God puts in our lives when He's striving for us, seeking for us, drawing us to Him. There's nothing that God puts in our lives that isn't for the purpose of drawing us to Him. Whether it's judgment or whether it's victory. Whether it's hardship or whether it's abundant prosperity. Whatever it may be, from one end of the spectrum to the other, God wants to use that to draw us to Him. He's seeking us. He's seeking us through all of these things that we experience. Think about some things in your life right now. I don't want to get you out of the mood of this service, but if you start thinking about some things, you'll, it might change your whole direction of thought today. Think about some things in your life. Good things that are happening. What did you do about those good things? Those blessed I found myself, and these are small things, much things greater than this. I found myself a couple things happening to me lately. And the first thing that I wanted to say was, praise the Lord, thank you, Lord. And because I, because I knew it was God who had provided for me and helped me, I had a fall. You know, I don't, I don't fall very often because I'm very careful. But I had a fall. And I'm, and I'm on my way down. And I'm standing up, and I'm on my way down. And I'm saying, oh, Lord, Lord. Didn't have time to say much else, but then when I hit the hard bump in my head, scraped my side, and then I couldn't find any marks on me. And I got up, and I said, well, Lord, I could have I cracked my head open. I could have broken my leg. I could have broken my back. And I didn't break anything. Now, that's not because I was so good at catching on and hold on to anything. I didn't catch on and hold on to anything. I couldn't find anything to hold on to when I fell. But I did know this. I knew immediately, this is God has helped me. This is the help of God. The reason I'm going to get up and walk away and feel just a little bit of soreness, and all I'm going to feel is a little bit of soreness, because God, when I started that, got hold of me and put me down in the right place. Now, you may say that's foolish, Pastor. That's just, that's overboard. I think it's understated. I think we don't say it enough. Have you ever barely missed a car accident by that much? And the first thing you do is honk your horn and roll down your window and, 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 and cause a lot of good. Or did you leave your horn alone, leave your window alone and say, God, thank you, praise you, Lord. Thank you, God, I didn't have that accident you were watching over me. You need to do that because the next time, you may not be so gracious if you don't praise him for it. I had that experience, too. I didn't want, I didn't want to tell you about that one. I like to tell you about things when it's not my fault and the devil's trying to get me because of 
somebody else to be. I better be careful now. I said the wrong words the other day. I don't know if anybody here, so maybe because somebody else is being dumb and stupid and and and, 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 and I, I and I like to tell you about those things. But when it's totally my fault, I'd just rather leave those alone and forget about it. Aren't you that way? If it's my fault, and if, it, if the accident had happened, it'd been one hundred percent my fault. I'm going to tell you this one time. I'll never tell you another one like this. So I'm driving my car, and I'm looking for something on the side of the road. Never do this. If you're driving your car, one thing you should always do, keep looking at the street or road ahead of you. Don't be trying to find something off the side while you're still driving or texting on your phone or getting your attention to strike some other way. Because I looked up and suddenly... I was all the way, halfway through a red light. And the other side coming had got the green light already to make the turn. And I'm right out there in the middle of it. And I'm seeing those two cars coming, not slowly out on Blanding Avenue or Boulevard or whatever it is. Not out on Blanding, not slowly, rapidly turning. And I'm out in the, under that red light. If they had hit me, it would have been totally my fault. You know, God is so merciful, even when you do something wrong, he'll pull you out of it and help you. I, I, I don't know how, I just happen to see myself well enough to be able to turn to the right and find a place to get over off of the side of the road. And I just stopped and said, Lord, I, I thanked God for the next three or four days, constantly about that, that he had overcome my own stupidity, I'll say it about me, my own stupidity. By the way, if I've been offended anybody in the last three weeks, I want to apologize. I haven't apologized, I think, four weeks ago. And if I've offended you, I, I, I wish I hadn't done it. So here I am. I'm, so here I am in, this, in the car, and I pulled it over to the side. I got it stopped. And I said, oh. And, and, and nothing, nothing hit me. Both, both of those cars that were turning, both of them could have hit me. It could have been a three-car accident very easily. And the pastor would have been the only one responsible for that. They were doing what was legal for them to do. And I was going through a red light. Sometimes, you know, even when you're the one who would be totally responsible, it's your fault, and nobody can be blamed but you, God will help you anyway. If your motives are right, your heart is pure, you're walking with God, and sometimes even if you're not, God will show you grace and mercy anyway. The good things that God gives us, the grace that God gives us, the blessings that God gives us are intended to draw us to Him in repentance and salvation, to seek His forgiveness and to live close to God. I'm going to give you the scripture that says that. Romans chapter 1, verse 4. This is what it says. And this is verse 4 and 5, actually. But it's in the New Living Translation. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Aren't you glad He is? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? His kindness is intended to bring you to him. So if, if, if someone's living for God, living apart from God, and they have everything they need in the world, they have a nice family, have a good life, but they're not serving God totally, God's gifts that make their life that way are what he's using to try to draw them to himself. All 
all the good things that God does are intended to draw us. And this is the next part of that. The fifth verse after Paul wrote that, the fifth verse he said, But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible judgment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming, and God's righteous judgment will be revealed. You want to always make sure that the drawing of God is heeded in your life, and you respond to it as God is calling you to respond. When I was unsaved, I was in, in my mid-teens, just a, just a young man going to school, playing baseball in the afternoons and on the weekends, jumping around and carousing and cursing and smoking and other things that I had no business doing. God started to deal with me, and I didn't know it. God, that would be a long time before I ever knew that he had anything to do with what was happening in my life. Just real quickly, my mother, had, we didn't go to church. Nobody in my family went to church. And my mother decided when Oral Roberts came to Goldsboro, North Carolina in a crusade, that she would go to that meeting. They had thousands of people there in a great big B-52 aircraft hangar that out on the Seymour Johnson Air Force Base, which was closed at that time. They opened that up, got it ready, and had it. They had thousands and thousands of people every night during that crusade that Oral Roberts was there. My mother went to that. And she got saved, genuinely, really deeply, powerfully saved. I could see the difference in her. She asked me to go with her. I think I went one time. I remember standing there singing a great, great song. I didn't know the song, didn't know the people, didn't know how to sing it. But I just sat there and I started to follow them and I started to sing. The song was Standing on the Promises. Standing on the Promises of God my Savior. And it was a powerful, powerful song to me. I just thought it was just a great, great song. I didn't know much about it. I never had heard it before. But I still remember it to this day. That's what an impact it made on me. So then she was saved. I was not. My stepfather was not. And nobody around us was. She was the only one. So she started talking to me about coming to church with her. Not very down on me. Not, not making me. Not trying to force me. Because I didn't want to go. So she encouraged me to come. And finally I said, well, she said, we have Sunday school. And you don't have to stay for church. I said, well, I might be able to do that. So I started to go to Sunday school. I would not many times, just a few times. I never stayed for the morning service. I'd have Sunday school, a little break, going to service. I never stayed for the morning service. I was never in a morning church service. I just went to Sunday school a few times. And then, you see, I don't, when I'm doing these things, I have no idea that God's doing anything in my life. I don't know God's talking to me about anything. I didn't think that he would talk to me about anything. Why would he? I didn't know him. I didn't know anything about him, really. So I went to Sunday school a few times. And then the summer came. And my mom told me, hey, it would be a good thing for you to go to vacation Bible school. You don't have anything else to do. Lay around the house and do nothing. Why don't you just go in the morning to vacation Bible school? I thought about it for a while. I said, why not? I had nothing else to do. I'll go there and see what those kids are doing. So I went over to the vacation Bible school. And everybody in there learned that I was not a Christian. You know, when you're around somebody for a little while and they don't know one single thing about God, you pretty much learn that by the things they say and the way they act, they don't know anything about God. That's what I was, somebody who didn't know anything about God. So I went to vacation Bible school and went all through that. And one day they asked me what my favorite verse of Scripture was. They went, everybody, what's your favorite verse of Scripture? Well, I had no favorite verse because I didn't know any Scripture. But somewhere I had heard somebody talk about Jesus wept. That's the shortest verse in the Bible. That's why a lot of you memorized it when you were in school or something. 
saved. Never really thought about that either. But one thing I do know, if I don't stand up with the rest of this crowd, they're going to be looking right at me. Now, you got to know, I'm not the smartest guy at the box. Maybe not the sharpest tack in the box, but something I'm smart enough to know. He was zeroing in on all those guys, all of us sinners there. He's getting ready to get hold of us. And so when everybody else stood up and said, I know I'm ready to go to him, I stood right up with the rest of them. Glory to God. I didn't say that. I didn't, I didn't say I just acted like that. And oh, they were rejoicing that all of us were ready to go. <laughs> and I don't even know what they're talking about. So, so a short while later, my pastor, he was not my pastor at that time. He was the pastor of the church where I was going to Sunday school and where my mother was going. I don't, I'm not sure I knew his name. But anyway, so my mother told me, tonight, we had a church service in the night back then, evangelistic service they called it. He said, tonight, our pastor's going to preach on the real meaning of the white horse in Revelation. That, that he says that, that that evangelist had it wrong. He said, it's wrong, it's not what he said, but he will tell us what it is tonight in the service. You ought to come to hear him. You went to listen to that guy, you ought to come and listen to my pastor. I didn't really care what the other guy said about it. Why do I care about what he said? But, but somehow, you see, someone, why I had an interest in this, I cannot tell you except for one thing. When God starts to draw us, he takes all these pieces, this piece, that piece, this, and puts them all together to speak to our hearts for us to do something about responding to him. So I said, well, maybe it would be a good idea for me to go and listen. And my next-door neighbor, an adult man, children my age said, hey, maybe we'll go with you. I said, okay, if you'll go, I'll go. Okay, so we'll go. So we all went. My mother and him, I think his two sons, and me. So we're sitting there. We, we got in. The place was so full, we couldn't get a seat except right on the front row. And there was a rail across it about like this. So I'm sitting there in the very front row. No air conditioning.
moments, God saved me. Saved me so clearly, so fully, so completely, I've never doubted it. I will tell you honestly for a fact. I've never doubted it one time since then. I've questioned my walk with God. I've questioned my relationship with God. But I've never questioned that I got saved on that Sunday night, August the 6th. Gave my heart to Jesus. And it's helped. But, but, but what I want to tell you is, before that happened that night, I, I, I had no thought of ever doing anything like that. I, but God was through a series of these things, and I've abbreviated it, for a series of these things that God was doing. He was getting hold of my heart, getting me ready to be in a place where the Holy Spirit was moving and drawing people to God, bringing them through the through the obstacles and the difficulties that they had, forgetting everything. I didn't think about anything. I didn't think about was I good enough for God to save me. I didn't think about could God forgive me. I didn't think about anything except God, I, I, something had to hold of me so deeply and so powerfully I had to get out from behind that railing of that pew and walk out and walk where he was telling me to go, right around the altar into that prayer room. And I walked in the first chair I found. I fell on my knees and started to weep and sob and cry out to God. And I've praised him for it ever since. Every, ever since then, almost every day of my life since then, I've praised God for doing that for me, giving me a life that I did not have, giving me salvation I could never receive other than through Him, speaking to my heart in my life, telling me that He wanted me and that He loved me. And when I cried out to Him, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to repent of sin. I didn't know how to tell the Lord I was sorry. All I do is just to cry out, oh, Lord, oh, Lord Jesus, oh, Lord Jesus, to cry and sob and weep. You don't have to know a whole lot, folks. You have to learn some things after that. And I learned a lot along the way, but, but you don't have to know very much to be saved other than Jesus wants you, and he will give you the desire of your heart and change your life. God's seeking you. God was seeking me. I didn't know it. He may be seeking you, and you don't even know it. But he is. And you may know it. So what I want you today is to respond to what the Spirit of God speaks to your heart. I do not know your heart. But God does. And you may say, I know if I do this, what you're saying, Pastor, I know if I do this, I'm going to have to change some things, and I'm not sure I want to. And that's your decision. But I will tell you the best decision that you can make now or ever will make, the best decision you can make is say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You know me better than I know myself. You know my future. You've been running after me for a long time. The goodness of God is running after, running after, running after you. As we sang this morning. And God will touch your life where you want it touched. You'll call out to him today. Everybody here, please stand with me right now. Some of you are mature, seasoned Christians. I know that. It may still be. still be. Over the last two weeks, God's been dealing with me about a couple of things. And I have said yes to him. I said yes, Lord. I can, I can, I can forget these things and put my time into something better. More time in your word, more time in prayer. So I've already told the Lord yes to what he asked me. And I've already said, and I've already put it into effect. Because what I want is what God wants for me. 
I want what God wants to give me, what he has ready to put in my life. And I want you to want the same thing because I know that is the best possible course for you. In your marriage, with your children, with your parents, with brothers and sisters, friends, relationships that you may be building, relationships that are growing, maybe relationships that are just starting. What you better want, my friend, is what the mature Holy Spirit of God knows is right for you. You should want that, what He wants for you. I'm not asking you to make an emotional step today. I'm asking you to give it thought. Be thoughtful about it. I believe that as you think about what God may want for you, this is the very, very best thing for you. It's the very best thing for you to discern what God wants of you right now and do it. And so if you feel that you're urged by the Holy Spirit dealing in your heart with you now, and you want to come forward to this altar for prayer, we can invite everybody to come, and maybe sooner or later we will. A short while later in the service, maybe we will. But I'm giving you a chance to say yes to the Lord. You're not saying yes to me, not yes to Pastor. I won't even know what you're coming about. I don't need to, don't care to, really, unless you want to talk about it. What I want to give you the opportunity is to, is to let God do for you what He wants to do. He wants something in your life. Maybe it pertains to you and your husband or you and your wife or, or, or you and your children or you and your brothers and sisters or, or, just, or just somebody else that you need to handle at the altar of God. I want to ask you right now, if that's you, if 